Good morning. I'm Noel Deere, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Nacogdoches, Texas. Welcome to this morning's daily devotion. I hope these next 10 minutes will encourage you as you seek to learn God's word and abide with Christ. Let's look today at Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. Now, before we jump into the verses, let me give you a little bit of a background for the book of Hebrews. The Bible book, the New Testament book of Hebrews, is very different from any of the other New Testament books. It's not one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's not a book of history like we'd see in the book of Acts. It's not an epistle, letter to a church like we'd see in Romans or Ephesians or Galatians. The book of Hebrews is a sermon. It's just a sermon. If, uh, if you read it aloud, it takes a little over an hour to read. It is a sermon. Now, we don't know who the human author was for this sermon, and we don't know who for sure uh, was the, the congregation, the geographic location of the first congregation that heard this sermon. But we do know that it is a sermon about the excellency and the majesty of Jesus Christ. And if we'll study this sermon, the book of Hebrews, we will be inspired by the wonder of Jesus. Let's see. Hebrews 1.1, long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. The first thing I want you to see there is that God has been speaking to mankind for a very long time. God's message didn't just begin with Jesus. It climaxed with Jesus, as we'll see in just a moment. But God has been pursuing a relationship with man for a very long time. It says, long ago, God spoke to our ancestors. From the beginning, God has been pursuing mankind, and that's good news. Now, the next thing we see in this verse, this is so important. We see a nod to the inspiration of the Old Testament, and we see a nod to the value of the Old Testament. Let me show you those things. By inspiration, what I mean is that the Old Testament is true and it is reliable. How do we know? Well, this verse tells us, it says, long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets. Now, who is that? Well, the prophets, Jeremiah and Isaiah and, and uh, Moses and, and, and all those who are the human authors of the Old Testament. What we have in the Old Testament is God speaking to our ancestors. If that is God speaking, we know that it is true and it is reliable. So this verse reminds us of the inspiration of the Old Testament. But more than that, it tells us something about the value of the Old Testament. Have you ever wondered why God didn't just start with Jesus? Why all of this Old Testament stuff? There are all kinds of problems in the Old Testament, right? Uh, there, was, there was sin, and there was the flood, and the, there was the law, the Ten Commandments, the destruction of the Ten Commandments, the uh, reissuing of the Ten Commandments, there was the exile, all kinds of problems. And, and if Jesus is the ultimate answer, if Jesus is what we really need, why didn't God just start with Jesus? Well, we see the answer here in verse 1. We need the Old Testament to more fully understand and appreciate the wonder and the perfection, the sufficiency of, of Jesus. Here's what I mean by that. The Old Testament teaches us something about the heart of God that God has a heart for man. But it also teaches us about the problem of man. Man is guilty of sin. And despite all that God has done, man still rebels. 
And that sets us up to see how Jesus then is the perfect answer to the problem, that Jesus is the perfect fulfillment, that Jesus is exactly what we need. And so the Old Testament is valuable to us because it helps us understand the heart of God and the perfect answer, which is Jesus, which is Jesus. Let's look at verse two. It says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. Verse two is a direct contrast to verse one. In verse one, God spoke long ago. In verse two, God speaks in these last days. In verse one, God spoke to our ancestors. In verse two, God speaks uh, to us. In verse one, God spoke through the prophets. In verse two, God now speaks through his son. In verse one, God spoke in many ways and at many times. In verse two, God has spoken one final time and in one final way. You know, sometimes people ask me, why aren't we continuing to add new books to our Bible? Uh, It's been 2,000 years since we've added a book to the Bible. Why is it God continuing to reveal truth to modern-day prophets, and we include that in the Bible? Well, the simple answer, we see it right here. The simple answer is that God's, uh, that Jesus was God's ultimate revelation that Jesus is the full answer to the question. Jesus is all we need. God has now spoken one final time in one final way. Jesus says, the Lord Father rather has given us all that we need, and the answer is Jesus. There's nothing more to say. There's nothing more to say. And so that's why we're not continuing to add to God's revelation. God's finished. Jesus is the ultimate answer. That takes us to verse 3. Verse 3, I believe, is the richest verse in all the Bible. We can spend hours here, but, but let's go through it pretty quickly. It says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Wow. This verse is loaded with theological treasure. First thing we'll notice is that the sun is the radiance of God's glory. Now, this points back to the Old Testament Shekinah glory of God. Do you know what that is? There were times in the Old Testament when God would would manifest his glory, when God would, would show his glory, and he did that through this shimmering cloud. And that's how people could see at times They could see something of the glory of God. Well, today, how do we see the glory of God? We look to Jesus. Jesus is the Shekinah glory of God. One of the ways I like to think about this is to compare the sun, S-O-N, with the sun, S-U-N, and the rays of of the sun. They tell us, scientists tell us that the sun, S-U-N, is 8 million miles away. So in a real sense, I don't experience the sun. What I experience are the sun rays. I experience the rays that come from the sun, and they give me warmth and guide me and illuminate my way and give us energy. Well, Jesus, in a sense, is the radiance of the Father. He is the sun ray. And so the love and the mercy and the kindness of Jesus, that simply is is from the Father. From the Father, Jesus is the radiance of the character of God. 
You know, too often people think of the father as being rigid and angry and judgmental, yet the son is merciful and loving and kind. But that's a wrong understanding of the triune God. Now, when we see the mercy and the gentleness of Jesus, that is simply the radiance of the Father. Jesus, the Son, is the radiance of the Father. Now, we have to be careful, though, that we don't push this analogy too far. And we think of Jesus as just some ephemeral, temporary uh, shadow of the greatness of the Father. No, that's not the case, because verse 3 goes on to say that Jesus is the exact expression of the nature of the Father. Uh, you know, when, the, when a father has a son here on earth with people, uh, the, the son will resemble the father in many ways, but he's never the exact representation, the exact expression of the father. Well, with the son, S-O-N, the son, uh, and the father, the son is the exact expression of the father. Everything that's true of God the father is also true of God the son. Now, we're skipping some stuff, but it, notice it says here in verse 3 that Jesus made purification for sins. Uh, that means that's referring to the fact that Jesus died on the cross to purify us, to cleanse us from the guilt of sin. And then it says that Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father. Now, the right hand of the Father, that's the place of honor, the place of favor, uh, the place of majesty. Now, Jesus was always at the right hand of the Father. But now he has a new role at the right hand of the Father. And what is that new role? He intercedes for us. Romans 8, 4. He is, he is at the right hand of the Father, and he is praying for me and for you. So now what we have in these 10 verses, and we didn't, we didn't detail all of this, but what we have in just these three verses, we have 10 wonderful truths about Jesus. Let me see if I can, if I can list them out. Jesus is the Son of God. These verses tell us that Jesus is the revelation of God. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's revelation in the Old Testament. Jesus is the heir of all things. He is the creator. He is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact expression of God's nature. He is the sustainer of all creation. He is the purifier of God's people, and he is the mediator for God's people. Now, here, here's how I want to encourage you. Go back and read these three verses today. See if you can find just two or three truths that these verses proclaim about Jesus. It'll be easy because there are 10 of them, but find two or three for yourself and then spend a couple of minutes praising Jesus for his excellency, his greatness, and his love. Friends, thanks for watching or listening. If you're on YouTube, please hit subscribe to make sure you never miss one of these videos. On your favorite podcast app, search for Pastor Knowles Daily Devotions. Further info at noeldeer.com. I hope you have a great day as you endeavor today to abide in Christ. <music>